0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network.
1: Hi, this is Adam Kubert, and you are listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. This episode is Wolverine, Episode 8, The Dying Game, covering a period of Wolverine from 1994 to 1996. I am your host, Curtis Findlay.
2: And I'm your Wolverine host, Drew Ivers.
0: Yeah, we have a, a, a very interesting period of Wolverine history to discuss today. He was going through some changes And um, it's kind of changing the status quo for the, the book and the character in general. Did you read these comics, Drew, when they first came out?
2: I did. I had a subscription coming in the mail every now and then. Starting, actually, I think it was starting just an issue or two before this collection starts. So I was right in the thick of it there.
0: Wow. I didn't collect Wolverine or read Wolverine, but I definitely bought issue 90 because of the cover. I loved, mm-hmm. I absolutely loved that cover. I was a big fan of the Hildebrands because I think they had a card set, a trading card set that came out around this time or maybe just before, and, um, and that cover it was just so awesome. And the inside was good, too.
2: Yeah, it's quite the battle between Wolverine and Sabretooth there.
0: Later on in this week, I'm going to be talking to Larry Hama and Adam Kubert, uh, which is quite a treat. But I don't know what we're going to talk about. So I will be splicing in clips from that interview throughout this uh, throughout this interview. But I just don't know where they're going to be because I, I don't know what our conversation is going to be like. So there may be points in this episode where I'll just all of a sudden stop and throw a clip in there. And then we'll bring it back into our conversation. So uh, all of you listeners out there just need to know that. And then as always, you can uh, follow us on Facebook and on Twitter, and um, I started up an Instagram account. If you search for Epic Marvel Podcast, you can see that I'm posting just pictures of, and oftentimes I'll link those over to the Facebook account as well. But, um, but yeah, you can follow us over there also. So, let me see here. What are we going to be talking about, Drew, in this episode? What issues are we covering?
2: We are covering Wolverine 87 through 100, the 1995 annual, the, uh, one shot Wolverine Night of Terra, and then we're diving into the Age of Apocalypse mini series Weapon X, which isn't actually in this collection, but it was published in between issues 90 and 91.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, I think it's cool to talk about because if you were, especially if you had a subscription like you did, you got those issues in the mail, uh, it interrupted the flow of the story um, and set you into this alternate reality and it's and it's a good story so i thought you know why not throw that in there right
2: yeah i i think it's a much better story than than some of the issues uh here in this collection <laughs> yeah it at least you know it's it's had more staying power with the the public so
0: right so tell us drew what are some things that we need to know uh before diving into this epic collection
2: uh the big thing is that wolverine had his adamantium torn out by Magneto back in issue 75 of Wolverine and he's slowly been regressing ever since into kind of a more feral animal-like state and that that kind of culminates in issue 100 here and that's pretty much all I need to know going in.
0: Before we get into the issues I just want to make a comment on the quality of the reproduction in this epic collection. I actually think it's a good deal of it is some of the worst reproduction that I've seen in an epic collection yet
2: yeah these these first few issues are pretty bad
0: yeah it's just the, the uh, and what is the one with Ghost Rider that issue in particular
2: 89
0: yeah the one with Deadpool and the one with Ghost Rider those two this the looks like the scans or, or the printing quality or something is just not up to snuff it's not up to the same sort of clarity and standard of the, the rest of the book mm-hmm The other thing I wanted to mention is that in issue number 90, there's a weird scan line, like a dead scan line, on every page of this.
2: Oh, yeah, you're right.
0: I posted a picture of it on Facebook today, this morning, so people can see what I'm talking about.
2: If you go to
0: issue, or page number 8, it's in Sabretooth in his cell, after he's tried to go through the force field, and he's kind of all burned up and stuff, and he says, mm-hmm. "You'll be back, you want your cold slice. I want your pretty payback, or you want your pretty payback. If you look through Sabretooth's shoulders, you can see the the weird line there.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, and then if you go a few pages down to where it's it's one of the sideways pages here where Wolverine is on the the bottom of the page, basically. Yeah. It's kind of running through those top few panels on the right right page there. Yes. I didn't I didn't notice that.
0: Yeah, it's on every page of this one issue and I'm not sure exactly <laughs> why. Yeah, it's just things like that. It's uh it's pretty poor standard compared to what we're what we usually get from the epic collections. Um the majority of this book looks fine though. Everything after issue 90 is fine. I don't know what happened to these first few issues. But they just don't look that great.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure. I I know when I read the uh, Weapon X miniseries, it was kind of a, a breath of fresh air there for the the quality of the the book after those first few issues in this epic collection.
0: Yeah. Now, did you read the Weapon X miniseries in collections or in the individual issues?
2: I read it in collections. I have the, I think they're pretty recent trade collections here. Um, and for the longest time, I never, I never had a full series. I had some individual issues and bits and pieces. So it was nice to finally get these and read it all in in story order, basically.
0: Yeah. So you have the the one that's collected in three trades: Alpha, Rain, and Omega. Uh huh. There's also the version that's collected in four trades called the complete the complete Age of Apocalypse epic or something like that or the okay. the complete epic um, and I have a major issue with the quality of the reprints in the f- in the four volume series but this three volume series of Age of Apocalypse is really good uh, it, it, they did a lot to change it up and fix the things that they made mistakes with in, in the past one but uh, yeah so that's I just wanted to make sure that people um, knew that if you hadn't bought this epic collection yet that, you, uh, that there's a lot of quality issues in this one. And I don't know if they'll fix that in subsequent printings, but uh it's there just for what it's worth.
2: It's it's certainly not unreadable, but oh, no. I I think if I remember right, we had we had some similar issues in Wolverine volume one as well. Um mm-hmm. yeah, especially in that that Peter David fill in issue. Um and yeah I don't I don't know why. It just it's it's really just those first three or four issues and the rest of the book is fine.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's see here. I have a Twitter poll that I want to share with you guys. I asked the question, did you like when Wolverine had bone claws in the 90s? And my, uh, my options were, yeah, I wish they stayed bone, or it was a great story, or it went on too long, and then the final one was worst idea ever. <laughs> so, at the bottom of the votes, with 11% was I Wish They Stayed Bone Claws. And with 16%, it was a great story. 32% said it went on too long, and then 41% said Worst Idea Ever. Wow. Out of all the things that has happened to Wolverine over the years, this is the worst idea ever. Taken away is adamantium.
2: <laughs> that That's a pretty strong statement there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's your vote, Drew?
2: I, I think I voted for... Uh... I loved it. I mean, I thought it was, you know, back when we talked about book one here, um, how he never popped out his claws too much in that. And this, there's a, in this book, there's a few moments where he's, you know, he can't get out of situations because he doesn't have the adamantium claws. And it it just kind of, I like when characters get depowered or weakened, it kind of makes them a little more interesting to me. So, so I liked it.
0: I liked it too. And I know I don't think it went on too long. I mean, this is just... Uh, it It was probably actually... Yeah, maybe it was two years or so that he had these bone claws. And we're just at the point where it's like, are we ever going to get these, the adamantium back? And then we get it back. So it's... Uh, and we don't even actually... like Spoiler alert for this collection. We don't get it back in this collection. We have to wait till the next volume. Or actually, no, a couple volumes down the road before he mm-hmm. gets his adamantium back. I think... What's the epic collection? Um, Shadow of Apocalypse, which is volume 11? I think it's 12. Or 12. Yeah, so there's like, we have a few more volumes to go before he gets his Adamantium back. So that's actually, that that is a long time.
2: It is, yeah. He, um, it all has to deal with Apocalypse, and we'll get into kind of the, those details when we get to that volume. But um, it's a good few years that he doesn't have the Adamantium.
0: So I asked people to give their thoughts and comments about uh, this epic collection. And um, people didn't really have anything to say about it. Uh, the, there there's one comment from James who said that... He said, The scene with Wolverine standing on top of the bar to go head-to-head with Juggernaut is an all-time classic. I think I had a poster of that when I was a kid. And yeah, that's a pretty awesome scene. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Tommy says... The only issue of this epic that I've read is issue number 90, and he loved it. Uh, it was one of the definitive showdowns between Wolverine and Sabretooth, but with a twist. And what happens at the end had re- repercussions for some time. Uh, which is very true. It, it absolutely, Like we said, it, this story went on for a few more years. But that's it in the way of comments. Uh, we didn't really get anything else from anybody else, so I guess we can just move right on. Okay, the first issue up is number 87. It's called Showdown in Lowtown. And in this one, Wolverine and Gambit are checking out Logan's old stomping grounds, which is Madripoor, uh, which if you don't know Madripoor, you should probably go back and listen to our first episode uh, called Madripoor Nights because uh, that's where we're introduced to this world. Um, or no, sorry, we're not introduced to the world, but that we talk about it a great deal because a lot of most of the book takes place in Madripoor. Mm-hmm. So they are. They go to his favorite bar, the Princess Bar, and they are attacked by a group that reminds Wolverine of his buddy Maverick. Um, and, through, and then they meet up with Maverick, and it's kind of a weird story because Maverick has contracted the Legacy Virus, and he essentially wants to battle Wolverine so that Wolverine will kill him in an honorable death because he no longer wants to live. So kind of a hard-hitting uh... story right off the bat and uh... and and it's just kind of a one-and-done one-and-done story
2: And for some reason gambit is in there uh. <laughs>
0: the amount of guest stars that are in this book is actually pretty amazing it's mm-hmm. i think every other issue has a character from a different book in this book
2: it's kind of just a tour around to see how people react to wolverine's regression and each each character gives him a little bit of advice or a little bit of help
0: or or cleans his clock
2: <laughs> yeah exactly, <laughs> so I
0: mean, other than this, that I thought there were some interesting choices, like Maverick's face is hidden the whole time behind a mask, and when he does take off his mask, we never get to see what his face looks like, but he's horrified by it, but by the way, the legacy virus has you know mm-hmm. mangled his flesh or whatever, so I guess we don't wanna don't wanna draw that
2: This is still part of the era when when any little bit of Wolverine's past was was pounced upon and analyzed and everything and a good chunk of this issue is a flashback where Sabretooth and Maverick and and Logan were all on a mission together and uh, I just remember reading this for the first time way back when and thinking how cool that was and just the different dynamics between because obviously we know how they feel about each other now but especially given that at this point Sabretooth is is captured by Maverick. I think it was in X-Men Unlimited number three. Maverick helped to capture him, and he's currently held captive in uh, the X-Mansion there. So it's kind of nice to have that flashback and and see them all working together, even though they had their conflicts on on the team there.
0: Yeah. Did you mention earlier, I can't remember, did you mention earlier that Wolverine's healing factor is is on the fritz right now?
2: Uh, Yeah, so it's um, after he got his adamantium taken out, sometimes it works better, sometimes it works worse, and they're not really sure why as he's regressing into this animal state, we we find out bits and pieces of kind of the new biology of Wolverine. Yeah, it's kind of a fun issue in that we get to revisit Four and at this point in the series, it, it's been a while since we've seen some of these supporting characters, and you know it's nice for him to visit there with with Gambit, and he's not in his patch persona. And I, I like that. I like the order that these epics have been published in because if you were to read this one. After following up, number one, you wouldn't really have missed too much as far as the Madripoor <laughs> set goes. So,
0: they destroy pretty much destroy the bar in this in this issue here.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that bar exists just to be to be destroyed blown up and rebuilt over every, and over again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Um, nice artwork from Adam Kubert. He does a great job. Very dynamic with uh, with with all of the action that's going on here. I really like his style a lot.
2: I, I like Adam Kubert a lot too uh, I don't know if it was just a 90s thing but the, there's a ton of flipping sideways in this book and <laughs> yes. it, it kind of gets old after a while but uh, yeah it is is—it is beautiful art
0: yeah the hard part about the flipping sideways is that it's not as easy to do with a huge book like this as mm-hmm. it would be with a single issue because they, they were drawing these with a single issue in mind not with uh, not with these chunky collections or omnibus or anything like that.
2: Yeah, they don't they don't quite lay as flat when they're not stapled together like that. So Yeah.
0: Yeah, and there's there's some pretty bad gutter loss in some of these pages too with mm-hmm. uh, with the double page spreads.
2: Issue 88 is titled it's The de- 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 Deadpool Folks. And uh it's it's a lot of Deadpool in this issue. Um <laughs> Wolverine is checking up on Kane also known as Weapon X and he ends up conveniently running into a jealous Deadpool who's also looking at getting to Kane.
0: Yeah, and we have a a couple of characters, Kane and Copycat, also known as Mm -hmm. Vanessa, who are kind of on-again, off-again Wolverine characters. They pop up from time to time. And if you are familiar with X-Force, Domino, when when Cable first formed the team and we had X-Force number one, Domino was there except for the first ten issues. It was actually Copycat, not Domino. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's where we got introduced to her, and she's apparently Deadpool's love interest, who we see in the in the movies, although not Copycat in the movies, just Vanessa.
2: Well, maybe maybe it'll be a spoiler, and <laughs> we'll find out it was her all along.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
2: I know Larry Hama is big into the whole Weapon X thing, and he kind of checks in on these characters every now and then. So it's kind of nice to put Wolverine and Deadpool and kane all back together and mm-hmm. it's really just a, a big fight i mean it's not there's not too much going on in this issue
0: but i like the the sort of impossible situation at the end or where deadpool throws a sword at uh, copycat at vanessa and kane has to choose um either he's going to save himself or save vanessa and mm-hmm. fortunately wolverine happens to be there so he saves vanessa because kane chooses to save himself. And it puts a strain on uh, Vanessa and Kane's relationship because of the choice that he made so i I thought that was just a nice way to round it out. I found that Wolverine also did a, a fair amount of unnecessary destruction uh through this issue It's like especially like he you know he crawls into the cab and when he gets to his destination. You know, I don't have time to open a door, so I'm just going to shred the, the whole cab to get out of the cab. <laughs> it's like that guy, the poor cab driver didn't do anything to deserve that at all. We'll,
2: we'll just chalk it up to uh, uh, having a little feral moment for
0: him. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> this was a period of time where it was before Deadpool had his own, his own ongoing series, but it was after he had had a couple of uh, miniseries, I think. Mm-hmm. And so he's just gaining in his popularity right here. His popularity is kind of going on this upward climb. And so it's not surprising to see De- Deadpool show up in this book because he was kind of popping up here and there frequently in all the X titles.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was thinking the cover kind of has him in, uh, in relief or just in the shadows here. And I was thinking if this were published today, he would definitely not be, be hidden quite like that.
0: No, he'd be definitely in full color so you could clearly identify him who Mm -hmm. he is yeah
2: and he's you know Deadpool is kind of he's one of those characters that changes a little bit depending on who's writing him and he's definitely more restrained in this book compared to some of his more recent appearances as far as the the humor and even though this is pretty violent it's not it's slightly different from the Deadpool we see today
0: yeah he's just a little bit more he's not as extreme I guess Mm yeah yeah I was surprised that most of the stories in this first half of the book are sort of stand-alone stories and not the typical like, serialized storytelling that we're used to, especially through the 90s. That's kind of, you know, X-Men was all about the serialized storytelling. But these ones, we get just one-and-done stories for several issues. Um, and once we get closer to 100, they start to connect more. But uh, it's kind of nice, actually. I really like just reading one complete Full story in one issue.
2: Yeah, I mean, there there is a slight running thread. They you know they mention his healing factor and and his regression um, every now and then. But yeah, other than that, you can you can pick up any one of these and and follow it from the beginning.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we can move on to the next issue. Oh, if you're re- if you're following us through the Epic Collection, after this issue, there are a couple of different pages of color guides by Marie Javins which are kind of cool to see because you don't usually get that part of the, the behind-the-scenes process, and one page of original art from Adam Kubert, which, you know, it's shrunk down to less than a quarter of the page, <laughs> so it's not that useful <laughs> to, to see or anything, but it's there. Uh, okay, moving on to number 89, we have The Mask of Ogun. So on his way to New York, again, it kind of plops us into the middle of a story. We don't know why he's going to New York. I guess that's kind of home for him. He's going back to the X-Mansion or something. Um, but he is met on a bridge by Ghost Rider. We have another guest star and in this one he warns Ghost Rider warns Wolverine about the spirit of Ogun uh who's coming to to haunt him or to get him or something. Um, and Ogun happens to be uh Wolverine's old sensei uh who if you've been reading Larry Hama's Wolverine for some time. You you should be well familiar with Ogun, but uh, if you are just jumping in with this one collection, you have a little bit to catch up with, and it's some of his past is told in flashbacks, but that's about it. You don't really need to know a whole lot. It's kind of a, a nothing story, mm-hmm. because it's just a mask that kind of comes to life, and then he breaks the mask and goes away. So, <laughs> there's not much more to say. There's a reference to the Kitty Pride and Wolverine Limited series, because Ogan tries to kill Kitty at one point in that series, so they make mention of that. Hopefully that series will be collected in um an epic collection at some point. Uh, I don't think that there's anything else to say, like there was really no point to Ogan at all. <laughs> it was kind of silly,
2: just kind of an excuse to get Ghost Rider and Wolverine on the same page, I guess I
0: guess so, yeah, and that was cool. He looked good,
2: yeah. It's uh, I'm not I'm not too familiar with Ghost Rider so I mean you don't you don't really need to be in this one he's he kind of just is there to advance the plot so yeah. and at the end here we do have a little teaser with Sabretooth and Gambit Sabretooth tries to escape and they are kind of setting up the the fight in the next issue there
0: Mhm So we have a guest artist in this one Fabio Laguna and I don't know this guy but it looks like he's trying to do his his best like Jim Lee impression Mm -hmm. because he's very much of, of this era drawing as well. So I think, I don't know if this is his real style or if he's trying, purposely trying to ape these guys to keep some consistency with the book itself. But uh, I don't know. It's nice, clean layouts and uh, does a good job.
2: Yeah. You know, unfortunately it does suffer from some of the reproduction issues that we talked about, but Yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's definitely consistent with the rest of the volume. Mm hmm. Alright, issue 90 is titled The Dying Game, which is where we get the title of this volume. Essentially Wolverine returns to the X-Mansion where Sabretooth has been held captive for quite some time. Sabretooth ends up escaping and believe it or not, the two fight.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> so what is, th- there's a little bit just something that I didn't get and maybe it's because I haven't read like the previous volume or something, but w- why do they fight? like Wolverine he has he's watching TV and or he's sleeping and has some sort of epiphany and needs to contact or approach Sabretooth about something and i'm not sure what though they don't really explain it or i didn't catch it if they did
2: um yeah in in X-Men unlimited number 3 which was at least a couple years before this Maverick captures Sabretooth and Professor X is basically trying to Rehab Sabretooth, but it, it doesn't work too well. And I, I, I can't remember anything specific. I think they just fight because that's what, what they do.
0: <laughs> they, they
2: still just hate each other that much. so
0: Yeah, the fight is used kind of as just a plot device to push Wolverine's character into its, this next phase um, of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in the Phalanx Covenant, Wolverine or Sabretooth is already captured at that point. Then that happens probably. A little bit before this volume and and he helps the he helps banshee and emma frost save the new the generation x kids from the from the phalanx so he is kind of he's kind of a good guy but then when he sees wolverine all of the the bad feelings kind of just come right back to him and i think wolverine realizes that he's been purposely throwing himself against the force field to condition his body to take the pain so one day he'll eventually be able to just pass right through it
2: yeah it's kind of a a badass way to escape um and and it it suits the character and yeah their their fight is just it's another one of these sideways sections here but um
0: that's really cool i love the way that it's laid out it's so it's just very unique um and it's uh it's this is a gatefold page which is why there's big um white Bars at the top and the bottom of mm-hmm. it, because in the original issue we had two fold outs in this issue
1: well first of all you have to be careful what you wish for <laughs> you know' when I asked for I said this was you know you know the idea is that this is a huge fight between Wolverine and Sabretooth. you know it it's a showdown, and let's do you know let's make the pages bigger, let's make the images bigger let's you know let's make the whole thing bigger um that was really the impetus behind you know, the idea as far as the, the panel layouts. And, you know, I, 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 it, for me, it's the story that dictates how I tell it. And if it's a huge, you know, it, like there was a three page gatefold of just Wolverine and saber slugging it out. Yes. I thought, well, you know what, this is, this is really interesting. This is really cool. I want to see how many panels I can get into this <laughs> gatefold spread <laughs> which is why mm-hmm. I, yeah, which is why I did it, and it was a fun. It, it, I, I'm hoping that if it's fun for me to do, it's fun for a reader to read it. You know, that's really that's right. the, the impetus behind, you know, behind doing it. Along with, you know, but most importantly, it, it's the story. Because you'll see at the beginning that the panels are are laid out fairly conventionally, and then when the drama starts, starts, you know, starts increasing, you know, you can experiment a little bit.
2: And, and that's that's that was that's been my approach all along. Actually, he kind of loses control in that in that fold out there. He's what he says? What he says is, you just gave me all the reason I need to stop your filthy clock. And it it really seems like he's about to murder him. And he he basically tries to on the next page.
0: And there's this move that he's done a bunch of times where you, he th- has the the two outer claws extended. And he makes the threat by uh, saying, "Don't make me, you know, extend the third claw." Mm-hmm. But at the end of this issue, he actually does. Yep, like we've never seen him actually do that before. So this was a big deal.
2: <laughs> yeah, it—it's uh, kind of a line that he never really crossed before, um, or at least, you know, not without good reason. And he—he he has saber to rights here, and goes ahead and crosses that line, and it's kind of done you don't actually see the claw or anything go through like that. You just see two panels, one of Sabretooth's eye, and he's he's screaming for Wolverine to do it. And then the next panel is a shattered eye. And you can. It, it's just a clever way of showing what happened there. Yeah. The animosity between the two characters
1: is, is, is so huge. And, and the amount of, you know, really bad stuff that the Sabretooth did to Wolverine. Yeah. Over the years, I mean, it sort of demanded some sort of um, payback, you know. I think, and it, 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 it was just something I think readers really wanted to see mm-hmm. happen. I we gave it to them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we, well, let, let me let me stop you short a little bit. We almost gave it to <clears> them <throat> because I actually right. I don't know if you knew this, Larry, but I redid the last page of that story oh, yeah. okay. because the, the, the original last page, I thought maybe Bob just said, you know, this is, we can't do this. Because the original last right. page, it was clear, it was clear that Wolverine killed Sabretooth and it was right before, you know, the, the Weapon X, you know, transition and, and such. But then yeah. I redid it to leave the, you know, to leave the, the, the question a little more open. You know, did he kill him or didn't he
0: kill him? Okay. You know? Well, and the the Shattered Eye has a bigger reference to, because the next issue is Weapon X number one. It's not Wolverine mm-hmm. number 92. And all of the X-Books in this month, the ones that were published this month, ended with the last panel being Glass Shattering.
2: Oh, that that I didn't realize that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, all of them did. And uh, it's because what was happening is that um, in the X-Books, Legion had gone to the past to kill... Uh, Magneto but ended up accidentally killing Xavier instead and so the past was rewritten and in that one it's the way they portrayed it was sort of everything crystallized and then shattered and so yeah if you go to any X book that was published this month you'll see that last panel shatter um, and, and create a brand new reality which is the age of apocalypse And yeah, so before we jump into Age of Apocalypse, I just want to make one note. X-Men Alpha was a one-shot published that was to kind of explain, like, to introduce us to the world of Apocalypse and what's going on in there. And in there, we see that Sinister, Mr. Mr. Sinister is just called Sinister in Age of Apocalypse. He's using Logan and Jean Grey to deliver data. Sinister is one of Apocalypse's horsemen, but he's rebelling against Apocalypse, giving data to the Human High Council that's in England or Europe. Yeah, England, London, England Mm -hmm. in an act of defiance against Apocalypse so to to help kind of bring him down. So that's kind of the setup for the story. And then in this first issue, Weapon X number one, it's called Unforgiven Trespasses and it's about uh, Logan and, and Jean Grey. They ride a giant sentinel that they can control to take out a control center so that sentinels can get into this barrier that I guess apocalypse has created this incredible force field that surrounds America because he's taken over America and so the Sentinels are all being built by Brian Braddock who's not Captain Britain he's just Brian Braddock but he's in Europe and the Human High Council is made up of all of these different European X characters uh, human X characters or I guess human and mutant but they, they're all pretending at least to be human and they're creating the Sentinels and they need a way into America so they can stop Apocalypse so yeah their their goal there's <laughs> there's so much to, to say in this one issue I wanted it's to try so and sum that out. up in one sentence but you can't really it, it was so fascinating to just step into the story pretty much into the middle of a story not know at all what's going on all of a sudden, Wolverine is like he's—he's he's, his hair is wild, he's grizzled, he's missing a, a hand. She—he's <laughs> like romantically involved with Jean Grey, um, and we just have no idea what's going on. And it actually, for myself, took me a couple of reads to fully grasp what was going on in this story.
2: Yeah, the same thing happened to me. It's—it's it's a totally different world and circumstances from from what we're used to if you're if you're reading Wolverine month to month back when this came out and you know the, the Age of Apocalypse event was hyped up quite a lot in in the books and advertisements and everything. So there there was some warning. Was warning but, yeah. I mean you, you really have no clue how different it is until you dive into this. And if you're not if you're not buying all the adjacent mini series and the and the specials and everything, um I can you know, it's pretty confusing as far as what's going on. But
0: uh, hopefully this explanation helped you out if you were a little bit uh, unfamiliar with the story or confused. There's a couple of cool things in here. Um, a, a villain named Magma, who's actually one of the, who's actually a good guy in our universe, one of the New Mutants, busts in on the Human High Council and tries to kill people, but she ends up getting killed herself. And in this, they talk about something called Project Scorched Earth, which is a plan that the Sentinels are going to bomb Apocalypse's Citadel after the humans are saved. Every single one of the X-Books has been transformed into Age of Apocalypse, and they all have a very specific mission, and they all work together. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic way of storytelling. It's an incredible... Mm. If you read all of them, it's incredible how they all perfectly work together in four issues each. And so in the in the book called Amazing X-Men... Um, one half of, of Magneto's X-Men are tasked with saving humans, using the Sentinels to save humans, and so that part is happening over there, and then as soon as that happens, the people the, the story in in Weapon X here is going to be played out. They're going to send over the Sentinels to bomb Apocalypse and so this series is kind of just biding their time in order to uh, just to wait for that to, that time to happen so, do you want to take us through issue number
2: two? Uh, sure. So, uh, Weapon X and Gene are still in England and he wakes up and follows, follows her to uh, to Bristol, I believe, where the, the big evacuation is going on. And um, They they both end up stopping a terrorist attack and we, we get to see a copycat again, Vanessa, this time in the Age of pop universe. And then... Back in London, they stop another attack by Donald Pierce, who's trying to take down the uh is the navigation systems right and at the end of the issue, Jean ends up she disagrees with the plan to nuke North America to stop apocalypse, so she ends up taking off in a plane to uh to basically warn him warn Apocalypse and his allies about the plan so she can save lives,
0: yeah yeah, so this is an interesting part here um because her story now Jean Craig leaves this book, and her story mm-hmm. continues in the book the book called Factor X, which is a a story about Cyclops and havoc working in the in in this prison where they capture humans and experiment on them, and so that's uh yeah Jean's story I guess is that she escaped from those pits originally, so she has a history with Cyclops that's not very good, so she's going back to to confront him a little bit as well. And also that's where Sinister is. Sinister is involved, is in charge of those pits. He is her main contact, so he, she's going back to, to try and find him. But yeah, I mean, it all comes to a head, and, and she even says, Wolverine, if you don't agree with me, if you, uh, I'm going to stop these bombs, and if you don't agree, you're going to have to kill me. And But Wolverine just can't do it. So no. that, was a, that was a really cool moment there.
2: And, you know, it's kind of kind of sad because I, I was always... Rooting for Wolverine to end up with with Jean in in the regular continuity, and he only gets about two issues here with her. So. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it, but you can see that they've they've
0: had a long. Uh, we get only we only get two issues, but they've had a long romance.
2: Right, it, it's
0: actually really cool to see that they are so good together, and that that's one thing is tearing them apart.
2: He obviously loves her, but he I think he says at one point in there he's not sure if. She loves him, or if she's just thankful for everything he's done for her, and right. you can't you can't keep Jean uh, and Scott away from each other for too long. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: there's one part in here also. One of the members of the Human High Council is Mariko, and Mariko is the person that Wolverine marries in X Men in C- Chris Claremont's X Men back several years before this. Mm-hmm. But there is no romantic tension between them at all here. So I thought that was really interesting how circumstance um, dictates this. Like, they're not fated to be together, I guess, um, because he has this big relationship with Jean Grey. And are the altered humans in here, Pierce, Donald Pierce, Mm -hmm. is this supposed to be the Reavers?
2: Yeah, kind of that version of it. Um, He's, you can tell it's him. He just, uh, (laughs) he's got these huge claw kind of fingers throughout the... The series here, um, and he's kind of the the main foil through this issue and the next couple, and then yeah, and I I like seeing uh, Copycat again uh, briefly in the first part of the book here.
0: Okay, in issue number three, it's called "The Common Right of Toads and Men," and in this one, Logan travels to Wondagore of all places uh, to recruit Gateway. Into the humans, into the humans' war, and at first Gateway doesn't want to want to, but ends up um, changing his mind after being attacked by more altered humans. Uh, in this version, Wondergore is where the X-Men are formed, where Wolverine brings together his mutants for the first time, and someone snooping around Wondergore at the same time is Carol Danvers, uh, who's looking for Wolverine and trying to find some answers and stuff, but she ends up. Um, saving Wolverine at one point uh she dies and uh that seems to be a we don't really know what their history is but Carol Danvers and Wolverine have some sort of mutual respect for each other and so it's a painful death for him
2: Yeah she uh she sacrifices herself to save his life and takes out Donald Pierce there or at least thinks she does and but her her sacrifice is the thing that convinces Gateway to uh to help Weapon X her out here Right
0: yeah So in this issue on page nine, I love the page layout that Adam Kubert has done here. Whereas we have these panels that are inset in this black outlined box and you read those first, you go all the way down and you get the panel at the very bottom where, where Carol's saying never comes down. And then it brings you to the next panel to the right, hope you feel like climbing and then your eye is drawn up all the way to the top of this tower. So it's like your eye does this U shape on this page um, coming down from the top left going all the way down circling the bottom and going up the right. It's kind of cool. I like the way that that's laid out.
2: Yeah, it's it's a beautiful page in the tower just the way it, it looks like it's about to fall apart with yeah. all these these weird holes it's cut got out some of it
0: big uh, big explosion marks or mm-hmm. something.
2: All right, so last issue of Weapon X is titled Into the Maelstrom. Weapon X has convinced Gateway to take the uh, the fleet to North America, um, but en route, Donald Pierce and some forces of Apocalypse end up attacking.
0: One of them, who happens to be the dead Carol Danvers. Yes,
2: yeah, she's been she's been turned in a way
0: into one of these enhanced humans. So that was kind of a surprise. Many surprises in this issue, including the betrayal of Brian Braddock. They've been hinting that he's holding something back and not telling them the whole truth, and apparently he is going to betray the Human High Council. I don't think they, they exactly say why, except that he... Do they even say that he's a mutant?
2: No, it, they just say, oh, he's been working with Apocalypse, and then that lasts for about a page, and then he, he ends up fighting his uh, <laughs> yeah. his programming or whatever and, and turns back to the good guys, so...
0: Yeah, so he betrays the council. Then he immediately betrays Pierce. So Mm -hmm. he's kind of betraying everybody. And then the other surprise, and this is such a great page in here, is where um, Wolverine takes out Donald Pierce for the last time by because uh, by using his 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 hand, his arm that doesn't have a hand, the the claws were still in his forearm and they bust through the little stub and take him out. I thought that was brilliant.
2: Yeah, he's had that little uh, little metal cap on his, his stub there for the whole series, and you never even, after a little bit, you even start forgetting about it. Um,
0: oh, yeah, I didn't even so consider that, that there were claws in there.
2: <laughs> I don't know that that would take out Donald Pierce after all he's lived through, but it, it's pretty pretty brutal the way it looks there.
0: Yeah, so in the finale here, Gateway... He, this is probably the biggest portal I've ever seen Gateway make he makes mm-hmm. one big enough for all of these sentinels to fly across the ocean um, and teleport right over to where where Apocalypse's citadel is and they drop the bombs now what Wolverine does here or I guess he's not Wolverine what uh, Logan does here is he goes onto the lead ship because what his hope is is that he can, get, he can find Jean Grey and save her before the bombs drop so and then this and then the episode or the issue then the issue ends right there and we don't really get any resolution.
2: Yeah, they say they say to read X Men Omega for the, the conclusion there. And uh
0: yeah, and there's only like two pages of conclusion in that issue, that regard uh in regard to Wolverine. He finds Gene, who through the pages of X Factor or Factor X I mean, um has teamed up with Cyclops, surprise, surprise. Which has made havoc really jealous, so havoc kills Jean Gray to try and get under scott's under Scott's skin, and then Logan sees that and kills havoc, but it's too late and the The nice touching part here is that um Jean Gray, in her dying breath, says that she has always loved Wolverine, so there's the conclusion to to the the feelings that Wolverine has been having through the mini
2: well. <laughs> I, when I read this part, um, I, I noticed that she never actually says "I love you." She says, "You were with me in my heart," and I kind of thought, "Well, that's mostly the same thing." But uh, uh, okay,
0: you know, <laughs> <laughs> you'll I, always I, have I a special place after with me. Back and forth,
2: hmm. that, where Weapon X is kind of worried that he doesn't love her. It would have been nice for her to say that, but you yeah. know, pretty close.
0: Okay, I guess you could read it that way. I uh, I totally I'm didn't, more but <laughs> there you go. Wow. And so yeah, um, X Men Omega ends with all of North America being nuked um, because of these because of the bombs from the Human High Council. So, and then the very last page is just everything going white. The entire, all of the X Men, all of the characters in this book have been destroyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just quite. Quite incredible but because of the events in all of the other x titles that have been going on all of the pieces come together in x-men omega and reality is ends up being restored and we get to the very next issue resumes back to uh wolverine number 91
2: and nothing, <laughs> there's no hint of it whatsoever. Yeah,
0: everything picks up exactly. It's the most brilliant kind of storytelling. It's like you you interrupt things, tell an, a completely epic story, and then everything goes back to being status quo after mm-hmm. that. And I, I like that a lot. And I remember when um, Old Man Logan came out, and they just interrupt the, the Wolverine narrative to tell this alternate reality story for six issues or whatever it was and then it goes back to telling more modern day Wolverine stories.
2: Yeah, it's nice. You, you don't, I mean, it, it's very compartmentalized and you don't feel like you're missing anything if you don't have the adjacent issues of Wolverine here.
0: Yeah. So in issue number 91 is called Path of Stones, Wood of Thorns, and in this one, uh, in, in order to protect those around him because of how out of control he got with Sabretooth Logan retreats to the and decides to live in the woods outside the mansion and uh, on the other side of the woods there is a house that Wolverine's uh, Wolverine's kind of observing this family and sees that there is an abusive relationship going on and the X-Men show up at some point they're not sure what to do about it, and Wolverine wants to just go in there and rip apart the the guy who's beating on his wife. And the social commentary here is that the woman ends up defending her abuser, saying, "No, no, he really does love us." But she's like, you know, covered in bruises and welts, and has this huge black eye and stuff. And mm-hmm. Wolverine really wants to 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 go to town on this guy, but she won't let him. Uh, and in the end, Wolverine implies that the X-Men should probably kill him because he's going to keep on getting more and more out of control. So, kind of a weird, a weird issue here but, uh, kind of setting up things down the road.
2: Yeah, and there's kind of a it's kind of an interesting parallel between Logan and the abusive husband here. You know, Logan says something, you know, it's one day he's gonna hit her head a little bit too hard, you know, and, and kill her and maybe, maybe Logan should kill him right now and Put him out of his misery and, and all that, and so and Logan's kind of going through the same thing. He's he's losing more and more control here, so they're kind of similar in that aspect. Yeah, that's
0: true. It is an interesting parallel there because that's what he was doing to, to Sabretooth mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and and one of the the big reveals here is they're running some diagnostics on Wolverine, and they they end up saying that his mutation was ongoing, but the infusion of adamantium put that uh, mutation into remission. And so now that it's out of his body, he's going to keep changing and progressing into this animal state. Right. And we uh, we get our first glimpse of uh, James Hudson from Alpha Flight, uh, Guardian, and he and his wife, uh, Heather, pop up throughout the book here, um, kind of keeping tabs on Wolverine.
0: Yeah, I like that. I don't know much about these characters because I never really read Alpha Flight, but it's kind of cool to see Wolverine have some dedicated friends like this.
2: I thought you were Canadian.
0: <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I am, but I never got around to reading that, that book. Um, but I'm waiting for the eventual Alpha Flight Epic Collection. <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> sure it's coming. I'm sure it is too, and I'll gladly dive in at that point.
2: <laughs> so the next one is the Wolverine 95 Annual, and this one has two stories. The first one is called Layer of the Ngarai, and the second one is called what the cat dragged in. Uh, the first one, Wolverine stumbles upon a demon on the grounds of the, uh, the X-Mansion and comes across a, uh, a karn, I think is what they call it. Um, right. And he ends up kind of just losing himself and dives into it. And the X-Men are tracking him, and Nightcrawler ends up going after him and dives in after Wolverine. And they fight Kirok the Damned, who is the X Men have fought a couple times before and end up defeating him here, but Wolverine is the last page here. He's kind of not looking the best, so that's that story.
0: Yeah, this one kind of really shows it, it allowed Larry Hammer to kind of expedite his regression a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and by by having hordes of you know non human creatures, these demons, Wolverine can really unleash and go to town and show just how how feral he's going to to become and i feel like this is um it's kind of like through the 90s comics went to this more extreme this this extreme path everything got more uh, you know more violent more dark more gritty and so this mm-hmm. is, this, is this, uh, Wolverine going down this path is kind of like the same path that comics in general were going down. <laughs> and so here we have, yeah, just a, definitely a more mature, a ma- more mature Wolverine story.
2: I think it makes sense. I mean, you're right. It is, it is a trend for superhero comics in general, but for Wolverine, it kind of makes sense in a way, just because he's always, he's always had that aspect of his character and he's always walked that line yeah. between losing control. And, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of, I think what people think of the 90s, they kind of think of it as in disparaging terms a little bit. But it's it's so gradual throughout the series here that I feel like it's not out of nowhere, and it's it's within, within the bounds for who he is as a character.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's nice to see Nightcrawler show up, another guest star. Um, he's always been a favorite of mine and it's really neat to hear him talk about kind of their history and how good friends they are because they kind of joined the X-Men at the same time back in the 70s in Giant Size <clears throat> X-Men number one.
2: They've always had a good a good friendship dynamic between them and probably more so than anyone else on the X-Men.
0: Was he on Excalibur at the time, at this time? Or was he back with
2: the X-Men? I believe he was back with the X-Men. And yeah, the, uh, I wanted to point out the the narration boxes for Wolverine. They start using this kind of... Jagged, oh yeah, text. It's a little more rough, and previously in the book here, it was just kind of standard lettering, and this this is where the uh, more jagged, animalistic text comes in, and, and that's throughout the book here. Now, now,
0: uh, when you read Wolverine's dialogue or his narration, do you hear Carl Dodd's voice from the X Men: The Animated Series? as you read this yeah. yes me too <laughs> that is Wolverine's voice in my head it's not Hugh Jackman or anything it's definitely from the animated series
2: yeah I mean Hugh Jackman is a great Wolverine but he he doesn't have that growly raspy kinda of <laughs> no. voice. Coming, so
0: yeah okay in the second part of this annual
2: yeah the second story is basically a follow-up to the first issue of this epic collection where uh, Wolverine stumbles upon maverick and they end up going to canada to rescue deadpool because maverick thinks that deadpool might be the key to finding a cure for the legacy virus
0: yeah this is just kind of a short story and it doesn't have yeah uh, maverick has kind of an about face he no longer wants wolverine to kill him in fact he quite the opposite they, now he's intent on finding a cure he's like done feeling sorry for himself and is trying to mm-hmm. make some, you know, do something about it.
2: Yeah, he kind of proves to himself throughout the story that he he still is capable of kicking some butt and uh, and being useful out there. And while they don't end up finding a cure, um, it's it's you're right. It's kind of a nice turnaround for him as a character. Yeah. Then
0: through the process, they get some of Deadpool's blood, and they find out that he actually does not have a cure. So dead end there.
2: Yeah, Deadpool kind of ditches them after. He gets rescued, and but he ends up being a nice guy, and and sending him some some blood to to work on. So, yep,
0: yeah, and that's what makes Deadpool a cool character. Like he, you don't know really where he stands. Mm-hmm. It's always a, he's always always keeps you guessing. And a cameo from G W Bridge, George Washington Bridge, <laughs> <laughs> agent of Shield, uh, who is a big player in the early days of X Force and Cable. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what he's up to these days in comics, or even if he's still around. But um, he just has a one-page cameo here.
2: And then we uh, we get some some neat pinups here at the back of the issue. Um, there's three yeah, of them here.
0: Very different than what you would expect. Uh, they're very alternative
2: kind of um, art styles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really cool. Yeah, definitely not something you would see in a in a monthly book.
0: The next issue is issue number 92. It's called A Northern Exposure and for you Canadians that title is a reference to the TV show Northern Exposure. It even has the same font as the logo <laughs> of the show. <laughs> and um, issue number 92, Guardian and Vindicator from Alpha Flight aid the Beast and Xavier uh, to find out what is happening to Wolverine. And they have Sabretooth there as well. to So they can, because they have sort of a similar physiology. So they're kind of... Um, checking them out they're also checking out um saber because of the the pike that <laughs> wolverine stuck through his <laughs> his brain so the really the interesting thing here i find is that boomer from from x-force has sort of s- started this relationship with Sabretooth. it's she like and if you read the issues of x-force that lead up to this um she kind of feels sorry for him for what's happened to him and that the fact that they're keeping him locked up and it's this, they they form this bond and start dating or something, it's weird. But Wolverine's just using it, I mean, Sabretooth is just using it as a way to make everybody mad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it works, yeah. Yep. Uh, Wolverine, it's, it's kind of like a, a weirdo, Jubilee-Wolverine relationship, and Wolverine alludes to that, asking, you know, did the did Jubilee ever take my hand like that? Because Boomer and, and Sabretooth walk out of there holding hands, and yeah. he's got this fake smile going on. So, <laughs> Yep.
0: I really like, there's a flashback scene here where Wolverine remembers some stuff that happened to him in the past. Um, the art style changes a little bit, and I really feel like Adam is channeling his dad, Joe Kubert here. Definitely. Yeah. There's just some real, the grittiness that you see in like those Tarzan issues that, that Joe Kubert used to do. Um, you see it here and it's really cool.
2: Yeah. And the, and the, the color palette gets, it definitely gets those, uh, olive greens and, and fatigue kind of colors that yeah. uh, Joe was famous for. And also the, um, we see this cool see-through kind of x-ray effect for the first time in this book. And it, it happens a couple other times in here and it, it, it's just kind of unique. You don't really see that too much. It almost looks like 3d glasses or something, uh, kind of an x-ray
0: cutout right. of yeah.
2: Wolverine's skull there or saber tooth skull there. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. It's like, it's floating in the middle of the room there. Oh, as I was gonna say, we, um, we kind of see a follow-up to the annual where it's the, um, the, the neighbor, the abusive neighbor who is...
0: Oh, yeah, not the annual um, issue 91. Or the,
2: the last issue, yeah, where the abusive neighbor is drunk driving and, and we get to see Wolverine potentially kill him again, but he yeah. ends up making the choice here.
0: He, uh, and it's interesting, I, I was like, oh, the guy's going to get his just desserts, he crashes his car, but then Wolverine actually ends up saving him from the burning wreckage, mm-hmm. and then the guy flees. I'm like, that's too bad, but you still see some humanity in Wolverine there so and everybody else is happy to see that too because they're kind of watching he's got these this monitoring equipment on him so they're watching his movements from the lab they're happy to see him him drink a beer (laughs) (laughs) yep 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 and then the last page we're met with these two characters that are kind of out of phase they have some sort of cloaking device on them and we don't know who they are but they're going to play a role pretty big in the next several issues
2: and not in, not in the very next thing in this book because it's uh, it's kind of a a big departure from what we've been seeing so far. Um, it's technically it's a sequel to the 1991 uh, one shot called Reign of Terra, uh, but this one is called Night of Terra, and it's quite a quite a hefty issue here. It uh,
0: it's very dense.
2: Yeah, basically there's this magic alternate world called Gesham, and there's a a dark magical force that has manifested itself or or taken over this world's version of Sabretooth and he is trying to kill uh Queen Rain from the new mutants there. Uh but the shaman, who is their version of uh Professor X, has switched out their reign with ours and also brought in Wolverine to defend her. After a bunch of battling, Queen Reign accepts the beast within herself and returns to Geshem to defeat Sabretooth, the beast, once and for all.
0: Yeah, this is, the whole story is kind of taking, taking place in this medieval time where everyone lives in castles and they're all princes and knights and that kind of stuff, and everyone has a, a counterpart that plays in this, except I guess Wolverine doesn't have a counterpart?
2: Nope, in the, um, I, I read the original, which was by Peter David, I think it was Adam Kubert actually, um, okay and in that one the counterparts are are all of the new mutants you don't really see any of the x men no uh and cable their their version of cable is the one that brings rain over against her will and uh towards the end of the book he makes a comment about how there are alternate versions of everyone except for wolverine he's he's unique throughout all the the multiverse basically so <laughs> really <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't I don't think they follow that rule because um there are many multiverses and a lot of them have Wolverine most of them Yeah have Wolverine, it got right? forgotten
2: pretty quickly after that.
0: Yes yeah. <laughs> so. This is uh this issue is drawn by Jan Dursema, who is a uh, is famous for her Star uh Star Wars comics drawing a lot of Star Wars books and she has a great style I really like it
2: Yeah it's it's very different from what we've been seeing so far uh and it, it suits the book,
0: yeah. Except I, my only gripe is that um, she draws Wolverine's claws so long <laughs> that I don't think that they could fit in his forearm when he retracts them. <laughs> they look cool, but they're very, very long.
2: Yeah, and, and saber teeth are just kind of the same thing. And yes. he can't even close his mouth.
0: No, I mean, he's very much a saber tooth tiger um, mm. in that sense. He's got these huge front fangs. One point. Wolverine slices a metal sword in a in a couple of different pieces with his bone claws and I'm like that should not happen. <laughs> but whatever that's for, forgivable. Anyway, this was a it was a cool story. It doesn't really have any implications to the larger picture. It's just a um a standalone graphic novel. Fun to read. And yeah, not bad.
2: Yeah, and you, and you could read this without reading the first part. They're they're only very loosely connected, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I didn't read the first part, and I was fine. Okay, and then, so that's our second trip to an alternate reality in this issue, uh, in this episode. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No more alternate realities for the rest of this book, we promise. Uh, And so, carrying on to, to issue number 93, it's called Tavern in the Town, and Juggernaut wakes up from his coma, apparently... Sabertooth isn't the only one who's been locked up in Xavier's. Juggernaut has also been there. Just after the Age of Apocalypse in Uncanny X-Men number 322, Juggernaut is punched across the country, like literally (laughs) across from the west coast to the east coast. And he lands and he utters the word Onslaught. Onslaught is coming or something like that. And so he's been in a coma ever since. And he's been in Xavier's and so he he wakes up, doesn't know where he is, busts out of there, and just you know needs to find a place to have a beer. So he goes to the bar where Wolverine and Cannonball happen to be there, and so they have a tussle, and uh, and yeah, lots of lots of mayhem, lots of destruction. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> At the same time, Cyber is broken out of whatever prison he's in by this group called the dark riders which is made up of a bunch of characters that i've never heard of before um hardware spine life force hurricane and they're all working for someone named genesis uh... are these all new characters for this issue or do we know them from before
2: Uh, i think they're all new um... or if they are they're very very obscure characters pulled out here um and yeah i think this book is pretty much the entirety of most of their appearances so right i love that uh Jugger, <laughs> juggernaut you know it, at first you you think oh he's going to start tearing things up and fighting people but no he just he just wants to go get a drink
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's great and the very very interesting the purpose of this issue has a very interesting place in marvel history and I don't know if you know. You notice at the end of this issue, there's that character that appeared in the previous issue, um, who is cloaked. Mm-hmm. And so she meets Juggernaut in the alley and says he he's interfering too much or something, and he needs to be taken care of. So she teleports him away. Right? Do you know where she teleports him to?
2: Uh, it has to do with onslaught, right? No. He, oh.
0: he gets teleported to the malibu universe oh. <laughs> because right at this time marvel comics had acquired the comic book company malibu comics and they had sent a few of their oh, yeah. characters over to malibu in order to you know have some recognizable faces to sell those comics <laughs> so that's where he goes <laughs> right there. And um, and he stays there for a little while and nothing happens with Malibu. It kind of survives for a few years and then disappears completely. And um, I want to make a, a shout out to my one of my other co-hosts, Adam Chapman. He has a podcast called Comic Shenanigans. And you need to go check out a Steve Englehart interview that he does. Because um, Steve Englehart did a lot of writing for the Malibu Universe, and there's that history of the the merger or the acquisition is quite interesting, and there's a lot going on there. Um, and in that, he says that the main reason that Marvel bought Malibu is because Malibu had some state-of-the-art coloring techniques that Marvel wanted, mm-hmm. and so that's really the only reason that they bought. So they they use those people who did the coloring. For Malibu, they start incorporating them into Marvel Comics, and so if you flip through this volume of Wolverine, the difference of the coloring from the first issue in this volume to the last issue is completely different, because now Malibu is starting to color the remaining issues moving forward in this in this collection, and you can see some of the credits go to Malibu Hughes as the coloring the colorists, uh, so keep your eye open for that.
2: That's funny. I, I didn't realize all that. Um, yeah, <laughs> you, you got to feel bad for Juggernaut. He wakes up and he's in a different and universe. And then he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Very interesting.
2: Issue ninety four is titled "The Lurker in the Machine." Cybers being taken by the Dark Riders to travel to a place called the Citadel through this sort of wasteland area. In the meantime, Wolverine stops by Massachusetts where Generation X is living and he encounters something called a token in the woods.
0: Yeah, that's basically it. Now, this this marks, I think, a change in Larry Hama's writing because he just gets kind of weird after this. <laughs> <laughs> he and it's it's good there's a lot of good stuff that comes out of it, but he he's just the characters and the types of storylines and stuff just kinda go in a very odd direction. Um starting with this guy right here. This um there is a creature living in their biosphere and they it's called a token. And it takes over Wolverine's personality for a little bit and he has to try and use his mind to fight him off. Um and it's just, it's just kind of weird. Now, I'm a big Generation X fan. That was when I was a kid. I got given the first few issues for a Christmas present, I think, or something, and, and loved them. So I carried on through all 75 of those issues. And Larry Hama uh, takes over writing that title after he... I'm not sure if he leaves or if he's let go of Wolverine. Um, but once he finishes with Wolverine, he moves over to Generation X and brings this token character with him. The token, and, oh, okay. a, and they make reference to a puka in this issue as well. So the the manif- the actual manifestation of the puka shows up in one of the earliest Larry Hama issues, and and all of the weirdness that happens in these next like five or six issues in this book pretty much all carries over to Generation X, and it just <laughs> goes in a completely weird and bizarre. Place. like it's just so strange <laughs> it wasn't one of the best eras of generation x that's for sure but um but it's still fun
2: this uh this one was drawn by Chris Alexander, who I'm not too familiar with um but he kinda he does some interesting things with Wolverine's hair throughout the issue and um, yeah right you know he's a good artist it's just uh, and he he does incorporate that that three d or not 3D, but the see-through technique for the, the token monster here. And, and I kind of wish they didn't really do that because you never get a good look at the thing. Um, yeah. It's it's so faded out and indistinguishable from the background here.
0: Yeah. the um, Adam Kubert is great, and I love his style, but I think he takes a long time putting all the detail and work into his, his issues. So there are actually quite a few fill-in issues, fill-in <clears throat> artists here um, as he tries to keep up the pace and especially leading up to the double issue number 100 there's a couple more fill-in issues later on down the road so um this issue is kind of ambiguous how does exactly logan defeat the token we don't really know (laughs) they don't really give an explanation banshee says something like um you know what what does he say at the end there's he can't be defeated by one of his own or something like that and like what the heck does that mean (laughs) it doesn't even really answer any questions yeah.
2: Yeah, I guess he just he ran into another bad spirit in Wolverine and and couldn't take it. So <laughs> So he just
0: booked it, yeah. It's just <laughs> it's strange, but I liked um this was uh the first time that Wolverine had seen Jubilee since Jubilee left the X-Men to join Generation X, so it was a nice uh a nice moment for these two characters to reconnect even if they don't reconnect that much.
2: He's Wolverine's just kind of passing from Character set to character set here, and walking off into the woods at the end of every issue. It seems like
0: yeah, that's true. And he does that again in the next issue. He's off to New York, <laughs> New York City, and he. This one's called Manhattan Rhapsody, and Logan finds um, a pusher is trying to get kids into drugs. And but the pusher ends up to be a weird shape shifting rat called Dirt this is just a bizarre character. It's another one that shows up in Generation X later. And mm-hmm. um and, and then at the same time also the dark riders um are experimenting on Cyber's Adamantium and find out that it is pure adamantium. We don't know exactly why they are so interested in his adamantium, but you could probably guess. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and you can as you mentioned, you can see the difference in the colors here. Um this I think this is the first one where Malibu does that, and I, I didn't even think about that until you, you pointed it out. But they they do the separations in this one, and yeah, it's a big difference from the the last few issues. So
0: yeah, very big, uh, and it looks great. I mean, this is this is definitive of nineties the nineties right here. The coloring, I think, defines a lot of this era of the mid to late nineties.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> Dirt dirtnap is kind of a weird uh, villain for this issue. It, I don't know if this is his first appearance, but...
0: I think it is, yeah.
2: You just always... I mean, it's that that smiley face that really... (laughs) It just kind of cracks me up, especially on the back of the rat there. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I love (laughs) it. It's just a funny image.
0: So he can eat... Essentially, he opens his mouth super wide and eats people and can Mm -hmm. take on their persona he kind of absorbs them and the only reason the only way you really know that it's not them is that they have that orange happy face somewhere on their like they on their shirt or something like that but wolverine's healing factor prevents him from being digested so he doesn't he doesn't stay inside dirt nappy he, he can he frees himself
2: yeah <laughs> he, uh, he gets vomited yeah. up basically <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> there's a, it's so weird. a kind of a
2: gross sequence there where the the sound effect is blorch, and he just gets spit up with a bunch of bile and and junk there.
0: Yeah, I tell you, Larry Hammer, what are you thinking? It's it's fantastic though. I actually <laughs> find it uh, this little period before issue 100 has it's just it's just so bizarre. It's, I find it's kind of actually the low point in this book. I'm not as keen mm-hmm. on the stories that are being told here. I love the um, the individual stories that are told uh, kind of before the night of Terra and then I like the the last few issues here where we're ramped up to the conclusion of what's going on. Um, but these, it feels like he's kind of biding his time to issue 100 at this point.
2: Yeah, you kind of feel like you're in between two different stories and you get hints of where it's going, but you don't really know what's going on. Yeah, it, the, the issues don't feel as nicely compartmentalized as the first part of this book. Yeah, that's for sure. Alright, issue 96 is called Campfire Tales, and uh, we see Logan, Cannonball, Storm, and Caliban out camping in the Canadian Rockies, um, and they end up getting attacked by a bear while they're being spied on by our cloaked characters, uh, the Expediter, uh, Zoe, and... um, And the
0: other guy that I don't even know if he has a name...
2: I I can't remember. I think they mentioned it a couple times, but um, but yeah, he, he disappears.
0: Didn't. This might be even the last issue we see him in,
2: because mm-hmm.
0: he's not even in the uh, the rest of the the issues when when Zoe or the Expediter shows up.
2: He's he's there, so she doesn't talk to herself. I guess <laughs> I guess so. Um, and uh, in the meantime, Genesis and the Dark Riders end up. Killing Cyber uh, and stripping him of his adamantium.
0: Yes. For what purpose? I can't imagine. Who can say? Yeah, this was a this is a fun issue. Um, just because it's like a calm before the storm. There's a little bit of a bear fight, but there's not really any action. And in fact, the point of the issue is that there is no action because um, Wolverine tells a little campfire story. Cannonball and Caliban want to hear of one of his epic battles but instead Wolverine tells of a time that Aurora um, taught him to appreciate beauty and that was a, a lesson that he learned and wanted to pass on to um, Cannonball and and Caliban so mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's uh, I don't know just a, a calming issue here
2: they do end up fighting the bear um, yep but <laughs> and I kind of feel bad for the bear going up against four x-men here <laughs> but um <laughs> caliban and and cannonball get their wish for some action so and then and then the i thought the way that cyber was killed was pretty brutal there's oh, these yeah. kind of brood looking bugs that fly in and they just look like nasty little creatures with these huge teeth and um they just eat them alive basically
0: and I thought that, I really thought that um, Cyber was, they were going to build up to this huge battle with Cyber and Wolverine, because, you know, they had this huge thing in the Marvel Comics Presents issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they don't even meet. They're just there to get
2: Cyber's adamantium. And he's <laughs> gone. He just leaves kind of these little uh, armband-looking things of adamantium that you don't you don't see who's manipulating. They, they call him by, by his name, Genesis, but you don't really see his face at all, and the dark Riders are obviously, they obviously have something in mind for the So, Yeah. Oh
0: yeah, the next one's called Bump in the Night, issue number 97. <laughs> it's another weird one. Uh, Wolverine and Jean Grey are teaming up in this issue. And they are looking for Cyber because they heard that Cyber escaped and Wolverine's like, we can't let him be running loose so we gotta go look for him. And the, they get to where Cyber was being held. I guess he was being held in the offices of Landau, Luckman, and Lake Mm -hmm. who Wolverine have a a very large relationship with or history with going back um, to you know we talked about them uh, briefly in the first volume of or the first episode of Wolverine, Madripoor Night the only thing there that's standing in this jail is now a door that has the initials WC stands for warp chamber and it leads them to um, the office of the expediter Zoe Culloden or Culloden but Zoe's not there. Instead, there's this character, Chimera, and uh, she's weird. <laughs> she, she talks to her hand like it's a sock puppet. And it, that's it's just kind of strange. This is another character that shows up in Generation X when Larry Hama's writing as well. Although I don't remember the sock puppet. So I don't know if that carries over.
1: Or, or whatever writer, you know, usually gives a, a brief description. Or this is at least my experience, yep. and you know I'm, I design it on the page because I just don't have the time to to work it out. It could be this way, it could be this way because we're under such time constraints to get the thing done. Mm-hmm. I want to do my my drawings on you know I want to make the drawing I I put down work you know right off you know so right. uh, that that's that's the, the way, way I, I that's it. how I do it you know I you I do, do it right on the page. Uh, because you know what, I, I found that if, if I if I sit and try to design a character on a separate piece of paper, and then I try to transfer it to a page, you know, there's something unorganic about it. You know, but if you're introducing a character, it is like you know taking up like a, a big pa- uh you know, like a half a page panel or something, and you got this big space to do it. You know, and you can do it in a dynamic way. Boy, that influences how you design the character,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: You know, rather than you know, because if if you're doing it on a separate piece of paper, you, you tend to draw a guy just standing there, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But right. <laughs> and yeah, but if if you're doing it on the page, you have to be drawing him in character, you know, mm-hmm. doing uh, uh, you know an action or, or expressing something and and. That's a better way to capture what what the character is right there. Mm-hmm. You know, having having the character jump right into the action. You
0: know, right. Mm-hmm. One of the examples I have is um, the character of of uh, Chimera, and she's like talking yeah. to her hand yeah. uh, as if it's like a, right. a, a, an actual entity. Um, that's something that you wouldn't get if you were just drawing on the on the paper but you got so much emotion through her her face and her action her acting um because that's our, our first mm-hmm. time meeting her there
1: right well larry wrote it that way and you know he he came up with it and i i just put a visual to it um uh so you know i remember <laughs> that crazy character dirt nap i think larry said to put a <laughs> smiley face on his shirt and i did you know <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know that these were <laughs> successful characters, but you know, they were new I mean, we really you know, if you think about it, we create new characters every day. You yeah. know, our our take on a particular oh, yeah. character is, is is our creation. You know, even though it's it's modeled after something that's already existing, we're gonna draw it the way we wanna draw it within the parameters of the you know, of the character itself. So we you know, every day we're doing it.
0: But anyway, there she's looking at this big screen, and this is a I feel like this is a foreshadow to what's gonna happen because they on the screen is a projection of what Wolverine will become if his uh, regression continues. He looks very much like a very feral, even more mutated version of himself,
2: yeah, he's got uh patches of hair everywhere and these red marks on his forehead, and his facial structures is just totally different, and all all his fingers or claws basically yeah yeah the 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 sock puppet thing is kind of funny she does a little voice for each of the the sock puppets and (laughs) she's really only an issue for the last few pages but she definitely makes an impression she is kind of a oddball villain here
0: oddball and then she like has these energy blasts that come out of her hands or like her sock puppets can come to life or something like that i don't know what it is they don't really explain it and then she's gone
2: yeah um I'll have to go and check out her, her later appearances, but it's, she's uh, yeah, Larry Hama's definitely doing a good job of keeping things interesting as, <laughs> yeah. as we build up to issue 100 here.
0: Right, and if you're following the uh, Epic Collection, we have some trading cards after this issue. Um, did you collect trading cards?
2: I did. I, I spent a lot of money at Walgreens trying to get <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> individual ones. <so. laughs>
0: yep, yep, and so there's um, there's a, some of the Hildebrandt's or one of the Hildebrand cards is here, and uh, otherwise it's just Wolverine cards from a couple of the different sets. It's cool stuff.
2: Yeah, and the, these are—we'll see this in issue 100 too. But the the foil is is hard to reproduce here. You you can't read the names of some of the characters and right. the bottom. But um, I, I I really love how they put all these trading cards in here because I don't I don't have any of mine left anymore. So it's it's nice to have them in a format like this.
0: Yeah, um, although. It'd be nice to see them in a full set. Mm-hmm. That'd be kind of an interesting thing if Marvel printed a book that just printed all of the cards. Because they kind of act like an encyclopedia at the same time because there's a lot of good information in them.
2: Oh, yeah. You have all the all the power levels on the back of the cards there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that That's a good idea. I'd, I'd probably buy a book like that. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. You want to take us through the next issue? Sure. Issue 98 is called Fade to Black. Uh, Wolverine wakes up in the princess bar surrounded by the bodies of all of his friends. He he gets framed for murder uh, and basically gets taken to jail uh, where he's attacked by General Coy and Prince Baran of Madripoor. Tiger Tiger helps him get to the offices of Landau, Luckman, and Lake where he finally runs into Zoe Cullen, the expediter.
0: I found this to be an even more pointless filler issue than like the campfire one or you know it's it had no real ramifications at all to anything mm-hmm. going on here and then we have a guest artist in here as well um, another guy I've never heard of before Ramon Bernardo Bernardo. Ramon Bernardo Bernado <laughs> <I can't say. laughs> but um, I like his style he's got a it feels like he has like a John Buscema kind of influence in his art
2: yeah it's um, you know I, I feel bad for these characters coming from volume one because you you get to know them pretty well in that book and uh in this issue they're all dead
0: <laughs> yeah it's just archie and o'donnell i think because then
2: rose rose is still alive because she's yeah. talking
0: to wolverine
2: and then um well even even the prince and the general from who were the villains in in the madripoor book uh they end up end up dead by the end of this one too.
0: Yeah, it's uh, pretty wild and it's I I don't know if he's like if Hama is trying to clean slate uh the kind of Wolverine's past so he can move forward and not have to deal with these characters anymore. Mm-hmm. That's one of the questions I'll ask when I uh, get to talking with him. Larry, you made the decision to destroy the Princess Bar and uh, a bunch of the, the supporting cast over there in Madripoor. <laughs> Why, uh Can you tell me a little bit about that there?
1: Well, I, it was because I, uh, the character just seemed to have gotten bogged down in Madripoor, you know, and uh, I just wanted to, like, you know, cut them loose from there, have them be in, you know, America and Canada.
0: Well, there's not much more to say than that, I guess.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, they weren't mainstays of this book after... Uh, issue thirty or so, so they haven't been seen in quite a while. <laughs> I just remember rereading this and think it was kinda cruel to basically destroy this entire part, you know, except for Tiger Tiger and whoever else survived, but um to destroy this entire part of Claremont's run like that. So
0: Yeah. Oh okay, yeah, we are we can move on to issue number ninety nine. Mythic metal forged. And in this one, the expediter takes Wolverine to Akaba or Aqaba. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. How do you pronounce that?
2: I guess I didn't think about it. Uh, uh, Akaba, I guess.
0: Akaba. Works sure. for me. Let's do that. Takes Wolverine to Aqaba, where he finds out that it is Apocalypse, uh, or rather Genesis that's behind it, but the master plan is that he's going to bring Apocalypse back to life somehow using Wolverine by giving Wolverine back his adamantium. I guess the... Uh, I don't know. Something's going to happen. I'm not exactly clear on that.
2: He wants um, uh, he wants Wolverine to be to be Death, one of the, the four horsemen.
0: And so do you have to have four horsemen before Apocalypse comes back to life? Is that what it is here?
2: You know, I, I kind of... <laughs> I was thinking that, and it's not really the best plan, you know. I would probably start with bringing Apocalypse back first but maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe you do need some of the horsemen right by his side there so
0: yeah so here is where kind of all of the characters from the, this run come together starting with like the Dark Riders Genesis and the Expediter, Wolverine Cannonball they're all together now in this one issue to try and uh, you know stop Apocalypse or you know keep the plot moving forward um uh, Wolverine's taken to the desert where he has to try and find the citadel and has to try and break in and then, then Cannonball manages to get there too because uh, I guess he's been looking for Wolverine and Madripoor and so Tiger Tiger sends him to this place and that's convenient so that's good um, and, and then Dirt the Rat is also there <laughs> so we have a we just have this weird assortment of bizarre kind of obscure characters all in one in one story coming up to our our big issue number 100. I find that Wolverine is very easily captured in this book. Yeah, It's just kind of a convenient, convenient capture in order to uh, make sure that he's captured for the next issue, basically.
2: (laughs) Yeah. He has to, has to be in the right place at the right time, I guess. Yep. I I feel, I feel bad for Cannonball. He, he thinks he's just checking up on a friend and he ends up going through this, uh, warp chamber into, this hellish environment. But you know, I don't know why they chose Cannonball for this, but uh he's not yeah. really I never really associated him too much with Wolverine or being being friends with Wolverine, but you, you kinda need someone as Wolverine loses himself, you kinda need someone to be the voice and the protagonist here. So
0: Yeah. Let's see, and this is another guest artist as well, right? Val Semex. Don't know how to pronounce that one either. <laughs> And uh, yeah, perfectly serviceable artist as well, but I guess uh, Adam needed a couple of months off to get this double issue uh, fully penciled, because he puts a lot of work into this next one. <laughs> so we're building up to issue number one hundred, and you have—I think everybody was expecting Wolverine to get his adamantium back, especially since you were building up this whole cyber plot, the subplot that was going on behind the scenes. And then you don't give it back to him. Uh, was that wh- why? Why did you make that decision? Um, I don't think I made the decision. Okay. You know, the, you know I'm
1: just uh, I'm just following orders. You know. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, every month I would say, "Hey, what can we have the adamantium back?" <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's funny. Wow. <laughs> Issue 100, it's Uh, double-sized. It's called Furnace of His Brain, Anvil of His Heart. So Wolverine is, is captive, as we saw at the last issue, and they start... Genesis and the Dark Riders start trying to give him this adamantium and bond it to him. But his body rejects the adamantium, and it turns him into a feral beast. He breaks out and starts killing the Dark Riders uh Cannonball, dives in and helps, uh, and they take down Genesis. But they discover that Apocalypse is missing from his sarcophagus. And then towards the end of the issue, we see Stick and Electra from Daredevil kind of becoming aware of what happened to Wolverine and uh, sending themselves to uh, to help him out.
0: Now, at this time, I believe... Larry Hama started writing an Elektra ongoing series. Okay. And I think that's why there's a tie-in right here. Um, I'm not sure if the two cross over or not. Um, I guess we'll find out in the next issue. But there is a complete an Elektra complete collection by Larry Hama out now if you wanted to check that out. I don't have it so I can't check it out. Um, man, that the, the end where Wolverine is taking out all of the villains in the dark... That was mm-hmm. the best part of this issue. That was so great,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah and he he uses the head of uh, of this character Bull and he kind of sticks it around the corner to trick some of the other guys. <laughs> yeah, it's so good.
0: <laughs> I love it. It was, lot, it was such a good scene. Adam Kubert's art in this has progressed very differently from what we see at the beginning of the issue um, uh, of this book. I mean, in these early mm. the early nineties, he has a style that's much more similar to his brother Andy but this issue he's much more i guess a little bit more abstract and a lot more experimental with his just with his page layouts and the just the way he draws his poses and stuff um it looks very different but uh and and coupled with the the new coloring from Malibu it looks pretty cool
2: yeah it's a great issue um he he alternates from some of these giant two-page spreads to a uh, this four-panel layout on some of the pages, where Wolverine is killing the the Dark Riders, and it's um it's just a beautiful issue.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of good thought put into it, and um, that one two-page spread where we see the new, completely feral Wolverine for the first time. Hmm. Nice, just coming out of the shadows,
2: eyebrows and all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, this is uh this is the beginning to a very odd, um time in Wolverine's history. And we don't have the next few epic collections out yet nine ten, and eleven they're not out, but i- I hope we get them soon actually um A lot of people on the message boards and stuff are they're looking for like they want issue or volumes two and three to collect mm-hmm. the rest of the early Wolverine stuff, but you know, I kind of want to see where this goes. I remember reading the odd issue here and there, but um never really never really read much more of this.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's definitely not, at least in in popular opinion, it's definitely not one of the better runs out there for Wolverine. But right, uh, it's certainly a different take on the character than we've ever seen before. And like we mentioned earlier, he doesn't get his adamantium back until until Epic issue one, 12 there. Yeah,
0: issue one fifty. Mm-hmm. So this is issue one hundred. We still have fifty more issues of Feral Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, that's um you know if it comes out monthly that's what is it 4 years or something like that
2: yeah just over 4 years um and he he's not he's not quite he he does get better in terms of uh learning to subdue that side of him but yeah he's he's definitely a different character from now on
0: yeah well, and my thing, my main interest is I the the early Larry Hama issues are excellent. I love when he's paired with Mark Silvestri; those issues are just fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like we saw in here, he gets weird, and I want to see if he continues to be just as weird because it's actually kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean this this is you know as we're recording this, this is the second epic that was released and the second podcast that that. uh I've joined you on Wolverine, and yep. it's completely different from... It's so different. ...from what we did the last time. And I, I can't say I prefer it to Claremont's run, but... Uh, I don't think
0: so either. Claremont stuff was just so... It was solid, you know? It was solid. Mm-hmm. And this one has its issues with... Well, partly with how weird it is, and also just um, suffering from, I think, tie-ins and guest stars... Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what was happening in the ex office at the time with Wolverine, but uh <laughs> um it, yeah, I think he suffered a little bit
2: here. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on. Um probably probably too much in retrospect, but uh and, and it definitely shows if you read this as a collection as opposed to reading the issues month by month, but it's yeah, I, I'm 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 with you. I'd rather see The next volume after this one number nine then then volume two or three come out so we'll see what happens
0: yeah we will hopefully we'll find that in a couple months because uh the last two years wolverine has come out sort of the first quarter and we should be getting first quarter announcements soon
2: and the nice thing about the epics is we'll see it all eventually so yeah
0: that's right and if you're listening to this in the future when all of them are released then um Hopefully, our episodes make sense when they're when they're put in order, <laughs> in in chronological order. There you go. Any last words on this on the the stories in this collection?
2: Yeah, it's just it's a, a unique mix, especially reading it with the Weapon X miniseries like we did. Um, it's kind of a disparate collection here, and, and really, it doesn't get going in terms of the story until the last four or five issues, but. Um you know it I'm with you I, I like the first half of the book better and and I enjoyed the the annual a lot and the the Night of Terra one shot here but overall I I'd have to put this below collection number 1
0: Yeah I would agree with that sure absolutely The next episode that you are going to join me on Drew is going to be actually Captain America. You're going to take on the Captain America in the 60s and 70s and I think we're going to try starting from the very beginning when he was in what book was he in uh Tales of Suspense
2: Tales of Suspense yep
0: yeah and that that volume is called
2: um, Captain America Lives Again that's the Oh yeah contains pretty much the entire Tales of Suspense run aside from a few issues and uh it shows him coming back in Avengers and yeah it should be a good a good episode
0: Nice yeah classic Stanley Jack Kirby um who else is in there? Gene Colan probably does some of those issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'll be fun. Totally. So, yeah, we will put that on the list. That'll probably come out um, in the fall sometime, that issue. Because i got to cycle through all my co-hosts. I have so many co-hosts now. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Wonderful. Well, thanks a lot for this. This has been a great episode, Drew. Oh, thank you, Curtis.